Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Minds of Media. My name is Blake Panashevitz, and today's guest is a wonderful human being who lives in South Africa or is from South Africa. She is a blogger, tech wizard, host, caster, and overall good person. Please let me introduce Sam Wright, maybe better known as Tech Girl. Welcome to the stream. That was the best introduction. I'm going to clip that, and I'm just going to use that now. Whenever I go out, I'm just going to play that intro because you made me sound way more hype than I am. I like how I threw a tech wizard. I felt like that was like the best part that I did. I was like, how do I really describe Sam uh, from what I've been able to research from her? And I'm like, she's involved in tech and tech girl's cool. But what if she name changed to tech wizard? Tech wizard done. Rebrand tomorrow. Yeah, rebrand tomorrow. I'm just saying that's a great name. I think that it would uh, it would go good. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, we're going to get into a lot of different things. Hopefully everyone can hear you well and that's all going well. My levels look good. But if there's an issue, people, just let me know. We're going to start it off fairly easy with questions. I've done a lot of research on you because uh, that's what I have to do. So it should be exciting for me and terrifying for you. Uh, but I'm that's OK. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start it off with uh, an easy question. We're going to get lightly into it. So I don't know if people know this, but you're a, a pretty big Star Wars fans. So you at least have a few shirts or had a few shirts that are Star Wars related. Okay. Uh, my question for you is this. Did you like the new Star Wars movies that came out or did you think that they were awful? So I like them because it's Star Wars. You can't not like them. You know what I mean? I pre No, I mean, I appreciated what it was. They were basically just like reboots of the original you know the original three that we know they kind of just use the same formula but i like star wars is meant to be a soap opera set in space so i like them i enjoyed the experience uh but i did choose <laughs> not to listen to the hardcore fans because i was like i want to enjoy this experience i'm not going to hate on this we're not going to tear this apart so i yes i like them uh but i'm not aware that there were some giant flaws I just chose to ignore them because sometimes you just have to love the experience. Oh, see, I didn't get into like the hype things, but I did not like the movies. Like, I, like why? I, okay. why? Okay, so here's the reason why I didn't like the movies. I felt like there wasn't good character development. That was honestly the issue that I had um, is I felt like all of the characters were just like magically thrown in there and then they magically got better without any like story development, really. Like it was... The story development with like Ray was very, very weak. I felt like uh, I think Finn was actually probably better than Ray, to be honest. Like the you got a you got a you got a, a previous stormtrooper who was like fighting this inner conflict and wants to like leave the order. Like I felt like his story development was pretty decent. Even Kylo Ren had, I think, better story development than but like the main character, which is basically Ray. I think her story development was awful throughout all of the movies so that was you're my biggest problem with it. you're really not wrong you kind of were just she was just thrown in and that was it and we didn't really there was no there was nothing it was like she was there and then she was there and then she was i don't want to say spoilers but then she was related to some and then it was like boom there you go that's it and you but she also like, becomes like a master fighter like she can hold her own with like kylo ren with like zero training i'm just like what like luke skywalker he had those like scenes where he was like training all the time you knew that he went to a different planet and stuff like that and i don't know it was just that was so that was my problem that's why i didn't really like them that much um so Fair enough. it's somewhat reasonable reason i feel like you're not wrong. I mean, I just kind of enjoyed the journey, but you aren't. I mean, Poe as well. I don't even think there was. Poe was kind of like, look, it's good looking Han Solo kind of that dude flies. Yeah, pilots go finish. Yeah. Like that was it. And I was kind of like, ah, well, he's interesting. Tell us more. And they was like, no, well, we don't have time. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. We we made four movies to tell you absolutely nothing about any of these characters. All of the movies were like two and a half hours runtime, weren't they? They were pretty long, I feel like. So it, I thought it was the disappointing. probably had the, the most character developments. Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it. Yeah, the, the fucking robots. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, that is that is my thing. Um, you're a huge, you're a pretty big Star Wars fan. Uh, did you get into Star Wars when you were younger? Then I take it. Yeah. So actually, Star Trek first. Uh, I grew up with like a, yeah. So I had a super nerdy dad, right? Like super nerdy. Had no interest in sports. Didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of friends, if I'm honest. Like the internet when it came out, I think he was one of the first on there. Like knew all the he taught us how to hack hotmail email addresses when we were kids because he thought that that was a skill we should have. It's not, by the way. You get bullied in high school when you can hack into people's hotmail addresses, uh, which I learned very quickly how to do. Um, but yeah, he was like super nerd. So like we were up in our family up until the age of 16, believe it or not, I had to be in bed at 8 p.m. Um, I didn't have to be asleep, but I had to be in my bedroom. So if I wanted to read a, if I wanted to read books till three in the morning, no one complained, but at 8 PM you were off screen. So like no computers, no, no TV or whatever yeah. on weekends, you could go until like 10, 11, but this was up until the age of like 15, 16, which was super frustrating. However, there was one time we were allowed to stay up late, whether it was a school night, no matter what it was, it was when Star Trek was on, be it a movie, be it one of the series. Uh, and he used to wake us up sometimes. I still remember because like they used to run these like Star Trek marathons or whatever. And then he'd be like a random Star Trek movie on at like three in the morning. And we'd have school the next day. And my dad would come and wake me and my younger brother up and force us to sit there and watch it. And if we started falling asleep, he'd wake us up and ask us questions. Like we had to know certain things. So like that was a, a thing for him was Star Trek. And then obviously Star Wars was just part of that. But we were always told Star Trek was better. But he loved Star Wars as well, so we could watch Star Wars. And I still remember they came out with, I don't know if you remember, laser discs, which were those like giant discs that came out before DVDs. They were these huge, like, I mean, this is like, I don't know if I even had them. They like, uh, so I'm, I will age myself. I was born in 92. um, So I'm 28 right now. So. No, you should have had laser discs. I'm so we just didn't own them then. I don't think you we had DVDs. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of there was like there was VHS tapes and then there was DVDs and then in between. I remember VHS. Like, I remember VHS. Yeah. There's like a weird laser disc stage that no one really caught on to except my dad. Uh, and he bought all the Star Wars movies on his laser discs. So he just put the laser discs on that and Top Gun. Uh, but yeah, like Star Trek and Star Wars. And when I was younger, I used to oh, I wanted to kill him. Eh? Like I just couldn't stand it. I still remember we. My first ever trip outside of South Africa, we went to the UK because my dad's originally from the UK and we were doing this like tour of London. And I was so excited because we were going to Madame Tussauds, which at that stage was like this huge thing. You know, you get to pose with all the like characters from movies. Yeah. While we're in the queue to get into Madame Tussauds, someone tells him that there's a Star Trek exhibition at the Science Museum happening today. And it's like this whole thing. They've rebuilt the Enterprise. He made us, by the time we got into Madame Tussauds, he made us like run around so fast. We were allowed to take a photo with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, because that was like a big deal, the Star Wars characters. And then he pulled us out of there, took us straight to the science museum and we stood in another queue so he could get to the Star Trek exhibition. And I still, we have all these photos of us like posed on the bridge of the Star Trek Enterprise. My brother and I look so miserable. Like we look like we're crying. My mother just looks horrified. And my dad's like, like big happiest person ever. 
So yeah, that was, we were kind of, we were forced to to grow up with them. And then I think when you get older, you start appreciating it and you're like, actually, yeah. I'm really glad that like my entire life has, has been and trying to understand the, the nuances of Klingon and, you know, like Spock, whether we like the fact that he's more human or, or you know, like all or more Vulcan yeah. or whatever. And it's like, yeah, in the beginning growing up, I just was like, my dad's weird, but now I'm, I'm kind of grateful. <laughs> So I have, a, I have a side question about Star Trek. I'm not a huge fan of Star Trek, but one of the things cool about Star Trek is all the uh, the different like influences they would put in there or the social issues that they would put into Star Trek. Um, were you learning those things? Like, was he actually like trying to teach you some of those things or did you pick up some of those things watching Star Trek? Well, I, mean, yeah. I know, I'm just laughing because when you're like, is he teaching you that? I was like, no, no, my dad. Uh, uh, yeah, my dad was definitely not teaching any of those. He liked the show, but I think he probably missed a lot of the important stuff that was being said there, uh, no doubt in my mind. Um, but I do think that, like, growing up in, like, some geek culture, you you have a different view of things, you know? When, mm-hmm. when you start getting older, you you are encouraged to think a little bit more. So I don't know if it's because of Star Trek, but I definitely think I had, a, I had more of a curiosity towards – social issues and change yeah. and like humans and the way we behave with one another and stuff. I don't know if I can thank Star Trek for that, but maybe. Maybe, maybe. So maybe. where did you grow up in uh, South Africa? So where I still live now. So I grew up, I was born and bred in Johannesburg, uh, which is like sort of the main city, but it's 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 a, it's a landlocked city. So everybody who comes to visit South Africa goes to Cape Town because it's a pretty mountain and a sea. Most people don't come be a tourist in Joburg, but this is where most of us live if we want to work so what's uh johannesburg like so i grew up in the states and we learned very little about okay we might have learned more in geography and history were by far my worst classes so there's a good chance that i just don't remember anything uh, so what is johannesburg like what was it like for you growing up in johannesburg so we, i mean we can be pretty controversial here i'm presuming like what is it that when south when you think south africa what have you learned about south africa oh god this is, a, this is a big question okay so um, honest to God, the only things that I really remember about learning about Africa in general were stuff related to like Nelson Mandela. That's like the only thing that I really remember remembering and some of the like apart, uh, apartheid stuff that uh, and stuff like that. So that's like all I really remember. Well, I mean, that's pretty much uh, every time I've done a, a job where I've been working overseas and I, I meet someone who's who's not from South Africa. Their first question is, always, are you a racist? And I'm always like a little bit like, wow, what a question. But also I kind of understand that the only thing you really know about my country is apartheid. So fair game. Like, but that's why I didn't answer that as my first question. That <laughs> was going to be like, that was going to, that was going to be like my fifth or sixth. We were leading into it. Okay. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to ask I mean, you that. Come on. No, but I mean, that's the, the truth of it is like, I, if, if I only sort of, if the only thing that I knew about South Africa was apartheid, I'd also just be like, hmm, white girl from there. That's that. Ooh, you know? Unfortunately, but yeah, so I mean, growing up in Johannesburg was, it was different as well because I was sort of younger and apartheid had just ended, but there was still, I mean, Nelson Mandela was president. Uh, there was, yeah. so we were kind of the first generation. Uh, so that, that was kind of what we grew up in, um, which was a, a huge amount of change and a lot of conversation, like those social conversations being had. And also when I say a lot of change, a lot of change being implemented, but a lot of minds not changing. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very, it was a, it was a, if I look back now, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't know what was going on. But now when I look back, it's it's kind of a fascinating look at, at what was happening and, and how much of history I was part of without even realizing it, you know, like he yeah. was our president, Nelson Mandela was our president. So a huge thing and like not under, really understanding the severity of that. Um, 
but also to be honest, growing up in South Africa, I'll be the, I'll be the first to admit, like I, it's not something I hate saying this, but it is the truth. Is I being one of the first generations after apartheid and being white means I grew up with privilege. Uh, yeah. Just because of the history, it meant that my family had obviously were privileged. Um, so I had a lot of privilege. I grew up in a really nice house, lots of space, went to really good schools. Never quite understood until I was older that my life was not normal. Like I was very lucky and we lived, you know, like in sort of a, a middle class, upper middle class lifestyle, which I didn't even know at the time. I thought everyone, and I think like any kid, yeah. you think everyone lives like that. So I had a really good life. I had, I could go to university, you know, in South Africa, public transport's a bit of a problem. So what ends up happening is everyone, when they turn 18, if they're sort of in that upper middle, middle class bracket, gets a car, like that's a given thing that you just get a car. And like, now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, wow, you were a brat. Like you don't even realize what life was like. But saying all of that, living here is really it's a lot, I think it's a lot nicer than like Europe because we have a lot more space, which is a bigger mm -hmm. country. We have the best weather. So it's warm 90% of the time. Yeah, it's cold. Like now is when, well, we're just moving out of winter. When it is winter, like it gets like 11 degrees and we're all complaining and saying it's cold. That's in like Celsius, right? Now, right? Yes, it's in okay, Celsius. Hang, like, hang on, I'm a dirty American. Oh, I don't know what American, 11 yeah, so I like, don't know what. Uh, yeah. 50, oh my God, that's that's fifty-one degrees Fahrenheit. That is beautiful. I could deal with it's, that for. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think today was like we had a cold front and it was like eight degrees, and I was like, oh my gosh, congrats, out. Like that's horrible. Um, so we have really good weather. The sun shines pretty much all year. Is round. it humid though? So where Joburg is, because Joburg is landlocked, but we're like quite high altitude. So it's a dry, it's drier. Oh. If you're on the coast, it's very humid, but it's like dry, but it's not like Arizona dry heat. It's kind of like, I've actually never experienced anything like it anywhere else. Now that I think Have you been it. to LA? Because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like LA. Yeah, but it's not as unbearably hot. I've never been to Los Angeles, but it's never, it's not as unbearably hot as Los Angeles. It's like, okay. it's like a good version. So I don't know. I say that lots of people who come to Joburg hate it because of the high altitude, but I've lived here my whole life. So I just don't know any better. <laughs> I, I grew up really far up north in the state, so I'm used to like snow like six or seven months out of the air. I just recently moved down to Florida and it's much better because there's no snow, but it's just humid now. But it's still better. Like when you get when you get snow that is literally above your head, you're like, OK, I'm, I'm done with this. When they have to take snow or like bulldozers to move snow banks because they don't have anywhere to put the snow, you're like, I'm done with snow. Let's never see snow again in my life. So oh. doesn't snow here at all like some mountains get a little bit and i remember like we've had snow i think like once and when i say snow it was like some sleet and we were all like it's snowing uh and then i, I had to go to a job in the ukraine where it was the middle of winter so it's like snow like this and i remember yep. the first night uh my friend des he he's a, a rainbow six caster he thought it was a stoky funny he was videoing me i was running around so excited jumping in the snow snow and i was like this is amazing this is snow this is incredible and then i realized about sort of 10 minutes in as we got into studio that coming from south africa meant i did not have the correct shoes for snow so i was wearing these like weird high top converse that were completely soaked through and i think i was like 10 minutes and i was like my feet are so cold i hate snow everything about snow is horrible because it was also ice when we left and i almost fell down the set and i was like this is horrible why do people like snow Took me all of like 15 minutes and I was done. I had my fun and now I'm like, never again. I will not live in a place with snow. 
Yeah, no, that's her. Okay, I guess follow up question then. Do you guys have good health insurance in Johannesburg? Because like right now, that's like the we don't have that in the United States. So that's like a huge selling point, I feel like. So we have a weird situation here where um, so public health is struggling. Uh, we've had we've had a, a bit of corruption in governments um, and also like historically just it, it hasn't been taken care of. So public health, uh, public health care is not great, basically. Um, but it, actually, when I say not great, some of the best doctors in, in the world have worked in our public hospitals and we have really incredibly talented doctors. But when you go to a public hospital, you're going to stand in a queue for a very long time. Sometimes you struggle to get seen. Sometimes there's not beds. So we have something called medical aid, which most people, most actually when you get a day job, they force you onto medical aid. Um, so the company actually pays half your contribution. And then if you have medical aid, you can pretty much, you can go to a doctor, you can go to a private hospital and it's quite good. But it's problematic. Like they, I think, so that they're busy trying to work on more of a national health insurance type of plan right now. Our government's trying to fix it because now also the problem is the more money you have, the better healthcare you automatically have access to because you can go on a better medical aid. And obviously the bigger your salary, the better medical aid yeah. and things like that, which is problematic because it also means that any doctors that qualify, they want to go work at the fancy private hospitals. They don't necessarily want to do public service. So they're trying to fix that up. Um, I'm really lucky. I've actually never really had to go to hospital. I've fallen on my head quite a bit when I was a kid. So I used to go into like emergency for concussion tests, like a lot. And I had like one really bad accident where I just demanded that I be released, which was stupid at the time, but whatever. Um, so I've never actually really had to be in a hospital. So I feel like I'm not the best person to ask about this. Okay. Okay. I chopped off my fingers. So I've been in a hospital. It's, uh, you chopped it's not... off your How did you do? How though? How? Uh, okay. th it's a really How? long story. It's a really long story. But the TLDR is I stuck my hand in a snowblower again with the snow and, uh, it, oh, there's no. a lot more of a story. It's on my YouTube. If anyone wants to watch it, it's on the YouTube. I'm gonna it's, go watch it later. It's I'm a fairly. Fascinated. It's it's one of the few videos I'm pretty proud of. Um, so it's actually pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so I chopped off my fingers in a snowblower. So I, our healthcare in the United States sucks. Uh, that's just it's awful. So I, uh, right now you're saying it's either moot or not. So like a th I, like an ambulance, I think costs like ten thousand dollars if you get an ambulance or something like that. So like I think it's ten k. Yeah, so we have public health that if you don't have medical aid, there will be an ambulance and it will take you to a hospital. The problem is you'll obviously wait at that hospital oh, yeah. for a very long, you know, and if it's an emergency, you don't necessarily want to. If yeah. you're going into an emergency room, but for the most part, I mean, you'll still get taken care of, which is important. But if there's a lot of work. There's a, it goes back to what we chatted about with apartheid. There's this huge, huge divide in South Africa, which is unfortunately it is race related because yeah. the poorest people in our country came from a history where they were oppressed by yeah. you are now the wealthy. So there's like a generational, I mean, it's such a deep dive into it. Um, and it's a problem. It's a problem that we need to fix. I, I just don't know how many generations of fighting we, we're going to need to fix it. But I do like to think that like a lot of my friends and the people that I surround myself with in our generation are, we want change. You know, we understand what historical racism looks like. We understand what the problems it's created. And we understand the part, like there's a huge poverty gap here, which is hard. Like it's, it's horrible because I think South Africa is one of the most beautiful countries. You meet anyone who's ever come here. They'll, they'll tell you that this is, that they want to come back. They yeah. love it so much. Um, but we do have a poverty problem and that's something we desperately need to fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that, I, at least in the United States, we have like the Black Lives Matter movement going on currently that has been going on for a bit. And we have we have a but like the United States is not immune from this. We have so many freaking issues related to things like that. So um, but 
you're in a very interesting situation because you had obviously uh, your first generation after apartheid. And so that's an interesting perspective to kind of just see comparative to where like the United States is right now. Um, so not to get all political and stuff like that, but it's <laughs> cool to get someone's uh, uh, kind of different thought process on like what they went through. So you mentioned your dad was a, uh, a, a huge nerd. Um, what did he do growing up? And what did your mom do? Because you actually haven't talked a lot about your mom. My mom's the best person. My mom took care of us. I mean, that was, my mother's like one of those women that when I look back, I just, I kind of, I feel horrible because she, her entire life was us. Like she did everything for us. And it, now I'm like, you, she gave, like, I don't think she gave up on stuff so much as she just never really started anything. You know what I mean? She mm-hmm. just made her entire world was us, whether it was, she was driving us backwards and forwards to sports, like whatever we wanted to do, like any weird like hobbies that we wanted to try. She was always sort of driving us to and, and fro and making sure we could get access to whatever we needed. And her entire life was us and taking care of us. Um, so she did work as well. She was a, a financial manager. When we got older, she she started working and she's a financial manager. And now she's, uh, she runs, she's like an accountant. She's not a qualified accountant, more like a bookkeeper. Um, but she's been doing that. But like my mom's entire life was us, which I think was like good because my dad was a giant nerd, but he wasn't really around. When we, he was not really good with, I don't actually think he knew how to, I don't think he knew how to interact with people, to be fair. Um, so, and, and especially kids, like he treated us like mini adults from, from when we were young, which was fine, but not great. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it was good because he wasn't around and he was also very much one of those that he was like, Anything you were interested in, he would give you the, the things you needed to, to be interested in it, but he didn't really want involvement. So it was kind of like, if I was like, oh, I'm really interested in this, he'd be like, cool, there's what you need to go and do that, but now leave me alone. You know, like, oh, cool, you're interested in computers? She has a computer. This is how you hack a Hotmail account. Okay, bye, have fun. You know, like, don't, I don't, time wasn't really something he was interested in doing, but I actually honestly think it was because he didn't know how to speak to us. Whereas my mom was always like, number one cheerleader like i was terrible at sports i still am like terrible at sports and i would do every sport and my mom would be there on the sidelines cheering me on and she never told me i was good like she wasn't one of those but she was always cheering me on being like just you know just work harder you've got this you've got and i'd be like i'm now that i'm older i'm like i was pretty shit at that stuff and she was always there just being like yay sam you know uh, that was my mom basically okay Interesting. So you kind of mentioned your dad was very standoffish. Was that like that throughout your entire time growing up that he just wasn't very good with dealing with people or did that get better to where he like you were doing more things together beyond that? Or did you just adopt the things that he liked like Star Trek? No, I think he forced us to do that. He kind of was just like, that's what I like. So you'll like this too. I think my dad is an interesting character. Um, Like full disclosure, we don't really have a relationship anymore. Um, Because when we got older, I think we just realized that we kind of just didn't, we we have a very different life view. Um, But I am in the same way, like my dad taught me a lot. Um, He was a very, very smart, he was a smart man and he was smart at understanding people. I don't think he was smart at understanding people's behavior because he got it wrong a lot. But he, he did show me that like reading people and understanding the way that they're reacting to stuff is probably a a good place to start any conversation. Um, I think he just got it wrong more often than not. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he was just like, I don't know, my dad's weird, super smart, like super knowledgeable, reads lots of things is like he, he, I mean, he doesn't follow sports, but he can talk to you about sports. You know, he's got that skill. Like he can talk to you about almost anything and he's, he's well read. 
I just don't think he, now that I'm older, actually, I just don't think he liked people generally. I just think he, he didn't like people. And I'm scared because the older I get, the more I don't like people generally. So I'm like, we maybe, uh, maybe you know, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Like, as I get Isn't older, it? I'm like, wow, do I really like, do I really have to interact with these people? I spent all his, like most of my life. I just, my, my childhood, I remember him either being on his computer or he likes to build Meccano and he likes to just be alone on his computer building Meccano. And I'm starting to see that I like to be alone on my computer more often than not. And I'm like, oh, wait, I see now. I kind of get it. Yeah, so the reason I asked, because obviously you ended up moving into doing a lot of really cool and awesome things related to like esports, which if you're pushing the boundaries of like things, I wasn't sure if that would have been something like he would have been like, oh my God, this is so cool that you're doing it or or not. Because it is really cool. Like esports is a really fascinating thing and it's on the, well, I mean, it's been happening for a while now, but it at the, like, it's been on the forefront for a while. Um, arguably, it is going to be more popular in the sports if it, isn't already, um, depending on which metrics you look at. So that's why I wasn't sure, because that's a, it's a really cool and awesome new age thing. Um, one of the things you mentioned, though, is you like to read books. And I find this fascinating, and I want to kind of get some of your favorite novels, because I also like to read books uh, quite a bit. Stephen King is actually my favorite author, um, so that's my go-to. I really like fantasy and science fiction stuff, though. Um, but like, what are some of your favorite books that you were reading growing up? So I really like, this is so dark. Um, I really like. I'm excited now. Yeah. Um, specifically, uh, like true, true life accounts, either biographies or autobiographies of people who lived through horrific things. So lots okay. of World War II stuff. I, I, like not because I have an interest in World War II, just because I have an interest in the stories of people who survived concentration camps and things like that. A lot of war stuff. Um, I've also found like quite a few books now from women in the Middle East, like escaping the Middle East and, and dealing with that stuff. The, if it's dark and depressing and it leaves me, uh, this is my significant other doesn't understand because I read these books and then I'm super upset when I'm finished and I'm just in a terrible space mentally for the next three days. Like I go into a depression and he's always like, I don't understand why you, yeah, I don't understand why you read this. Um, that's what I like to read. Wow, have you always, like, is that like... I've always liked autobiographies, so I've always... I find people's stories fascinating, so I love reading about people's stories because I think that, like, we don't really look into... We meet someone and they say, okay, well, I'm from here and I do this, and you're like, cool, and that's... You know, I like to understand how they got there and who they are and and what sort of, you know, like, the weird little things that they do or the hand... Where did that come from? You know, how how did it mold them? But I think for me... I don't know why it is that I, I find these particular dark, depressing stories as interesting as I do, but it's just because it's not that I find it interesting. I just think that like, we really don't understand how horrible we are to each other. We really yeah. don't. And I think that like, we've reached a point in, in the world where there's so much media and there's so much going on. And you speak to most people that say, oh, I don't watch the news. It depresses me. But I was like, we've forgotten how horrible we are. And I know that that sounds absurd, but I think one, it's important to understand how horrible we've been so that, and how horrible we are so that we stop doing it and we see it for what it is and we, and we stop it. But I also think that the stories of how people overcame it and, and overcome it yeah. is, is the ones that you want to watch because it, it does showcase just sort of the human spirit and that there's good in the world. So it's super, super depressing, 
to read and they put me in a very bad mental state. But then it's more just understanding that like, you know, sometimes I'm upset because there's a troll on the internet and that, you yeah. know, those books remind me that actually none of that matters. You know what I mean? Or I'm upset that I, this month I can't buy the nice thing I want because I need more money or, and I have to kind of, those books remind me that like there's so much more to the world than pretty things and Twitter, you know? Yeah. Um, so I suppose that's why I like them. I've just always found people's stories fascinating. So autobiographies have always been my go-to and well-written stories about people. However, saying all that, I went through this very weird stage at the beginning of the year where like over the course of four weeks, I just binged like trashy British romance novels. And the whole time I was reading them, I was like, these are rubbish. Like I'll read it. And then halfway through, I'll, I'll have a conversation with my player too. And I was like, these are absolute rubbish. What a rubbish book. No, 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 no. And then I'm like, I can't stop reading. I can't stop reading. I can't stop reading. <laughs> but that, okay. that passed. Yeah, that's kind of passed and I'm over it. So that was a weird, I don't actually know what happened. I blame Corona because it was about that time. So I feel like yeah. maybe it just had an effect on me. Yeah. I like what you mentioned about the media. This is something I've always kind of said. Um, and for me, I, I take a, I'm very pessimistic about the entire world just to kind of in general, I feel like, um, or I'm real, real about, I don't know. It, it depends on what you want to say. Uh, but I think that people get like, we're so normalized to bad things happening that I don't know how you unnormalize people from the fact that like the United States is a good example. Like the amount of like, I'm going to use school shootings and the amount of school shootings that we have a year is fucking insane. Right. And like every time they happen, you're like, oh, another school shooting happened. That should not be a normal response from anyone. Right. Or like, oh, another mass shooting happened in the United States. Like this is like we've become so normalized to these terrible things. Even Corona. Like if you look at like the way that the United States is handling Corona, which is fucking awful. Um, right. Like we just slowly become normalized to it and we're like, oh, everything's fine. This is just a way of life. We're going to ignore the fact that what? One hundred and eighty thousand people have died so far. Uh, in the United States alone, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like people just get so normalized to all of these terrible things. And I don't know how you make that go away. So. I think it was, yeah, I mean, I just worry because I think that like if you look at, at history, so like this is always like, if you're going to go back to World War II, I really don't, I, it's just, it's the easiest example where yeah. I'm like, don't you always look at that and go, well, how did that happen? How did we not see that? How did no one see that? I'm always like, and this is, I get angry all the time. I'm like, how did no one see that? How did no one stop it? Why didn't anyone say anything? And then, you kind of take a step back and like Corona is such a good example where you're like, everyone just got locked down and we kind of all like, cool. We have to, I mean, we did have to do this, but like, okay. And that was it. It was just normal. You know what I mean? No yeah. one said anything. Uh, and that was cool. And that was fine. And now all these people are dying and we're all like, Oh, well, that's pretty crap, but it's not happening. I mean, this is the, the thing because the, the situation you have in the States, no offense is horrible. The way you, yeah. the way it was handled, but like, but even, yeah, people didn't really care. Like the government set certain rules and people were breaking them because, well, it doesn't really affect me. So, so it doesn't yeah. matter. All these people are dying. We're seeing all these numbers of people dying, but I haven't met anyone who's died and it hasn't affected me. So I'm just going to keep breaking the rules. And I was like, it's weird how we just, I, I don't even think that it's a now thing. I think it's just human nature to be like, if it's not on our front door, and maybe yeah. this speaks to how we're inherently just a selfish bunch of people because we're like, oh, if it's not directly affecting me, yeah. You know, like, oh, there's these terrible things happening. Yeah. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But like I said, maybe it is just because we're human. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, 
I, it's just weird. It's I also like to read some horrible books. I will admit that. Like serial killers fascinate me. Um, I actually have a degree in psychology, though, so I can at least somewhat justify that. Maybe. Oh wow! So okay, uh, I like watching TV shows about and documentaries about serial killers. Yeah. But oh, again, okay, so this is an interesting. You have a lot of serial, like most serial killers come out of the States. How is this the case? Like I, I live in a country that has probably one of the biggest crime rates in the world. We don't have school shootings. Like that's not a thing that happens here, you know? Yeah. Um, so it always like blows my mind where I'm like, cause like we have some of the worst crime in the world. Like there's a lot of violent crime, school shootings, not one of them. And serial killers, like maybe we've had one or two inside. Yeah, we have a lot. But I'm like, they're always, and I was like, what is, <laughs> it's a terrible, I mean, I was like, I don't understand. I've been to New York and I've been to, I've been to New York twice and San Francisco. And I mean, I loved San Francisco, but I loved, loved, loved New York. And I was like, everyone seems pretty normal. Like, I, why did you get all the serial killers? Maybe it's just a population thing. So, I don't know. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to hear a crazy theory? Of course I like, do. Okay. This is a really crazy theory. Okay. I think serial killers are a form of almost like evolution for a capitalist society because the way that they think makes them perfect for capitalist society because the only person they really have to care about and this because you can get because serial killers are uh, antisocials that's what they're rated under is like a scale of antisocial so it's no longer psychopath or sociopath it's just uh they would be ranked underneath an antisocial scale and so being up there means you just do not have a lot of conscious development towards other people and it makes especially i feel like in the united states having that lack of concern or care for other people a lot of times can be kind of useful, at least in the business world. Um, so the crazy theory is maybe that's the eventual path for it to make people successful, almost like a social evolution in uh, like a more capitalist society. That is my crazy theory. I think your theory might be right. It's, I feel it's like it's pretty good. It's quite, yeah. Right, I'm throwing all my stuff out tomorrow. I don't need things. <laughs> Oh my god! Don't don't go like weird. But yeah, we have a lot of serial killers. There's uh, there's a lot, so it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I think California has the most, which is just weird too. Uh, but it's a pretty big state, so I think it I think Next, it has the highest amount. It's a really so. interesting theory, though. Makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah, terrifying theory though. At the same time, so. slightly terrifying. Yes, uh, slight, slightly. So. One of the things is you went through school and I watched a heartbreaking video uh, that you did um, as I was going through and researching about you, about being an outcast um, and your time going through school and how it wasn't the easiest thing. Um, can you kind of describe for you what school was like, especially I feel like this, I feel like, I don't know, growing up in the States, I got bullied a lot and it was awful. And I feel like a, at least a lot of people who I know in the States get bullied a lot. Like it's a very, very, very bad uh, thing. But what was it like for you kind of growing up and going through primary school and then eventually high school for you? I can't believe you went all the way back because I actually forgot that that video exists. But yes, uh, I know. I do a lot of research. Like, I'm impressed. Um, so I was extremely overweight. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know like everyone always says, it's like, oh, I was chubby in school. And I was, I was extremely overweight. I was borderline obese at one point. Um, really super unhealthy. And so... I also grew up, like I said, in, in a household where sports wasn't really a thing. Yeah. We weren't a really social family. So it wasn't like we were out on the weekends and things like that. Um, and my, you know, my, my dad pushed us to play games and we were, you know, he was building Meccano. And I remember we went on a long weekend once and he wanted to go to a steam engine show. 
is those that they exist they people build up steam engine like that was kind of our so it was weird you know like we were weird um and being super overweight meant that i got obviously when you're a kid you get i didn't know i didn't realize i was overweight until i sort of i'd say hit like 10 11 and then i used to get teased and i was constantly teased and then i'd eat more um and then i went into sort of high school which is the worst time and was like I said, hits almost morbidly obese. So it was hard. I think it's hard being, I think it's hard being a teenage, I think it's hard being a teenage guy or girl going through that and kind of just, and then also like sitting in a position where my interests weren't the same uh, purely because of how I was brought up. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. My parents don't really drink. Um, like I said, we don't, we, they weren't really social. At that stage, my parents also going through some marital problems because they've now since been divorced but like so we weren't going out we weren't socializing as as the very overweight girl who liked weird things and learned how to hack into hotmail accounts which we spoke about earlier which doesn't go down well i don't know if you know with like 13 year old boys when you break into their hotmail accounts um so i thought i was cool when i went to school i was like oh yeah i broke into all your emails it's not cool never cool to break into people's emails but yeah like that was me trying to fit in. So yeah, I had a I had a rough time. I also went to a very small school. So there wasn't a lot of kids in my grade. I think that there were I think there was only like 89, 90 kids in the grade. So it was very much a matter of everyone knew everyone else. And yeah. there was this, this group and everyone, you know, it's it's the typical, there was the popular group, if you like. Um and I just didn't fit in with them. So that was it. So it was for me, that was always a rough one. And it took me up until sort of the last year of high school. Um, at that point, I just didn't, I think I'd reached a, I kind of grown into my own skin, so I just didn't care. Um, and I, my best friend at the time was this hardcore goth who was dating this 26 year old musician and all, and I kind of made friends with him and I made friends with all of, of his friends and her friends outside of school. They weren't even in school anymore. And just, was like, oh, these people are cool, you know, and they, they don't really care. Like none of this, none of this other stuff matters. I, I also then lost. And it's interesting because when I met this group of people, um, I then became very conscious of the fact that I wanted to lose weight and not because I wanted to be skinny and look good, but because I, I was like, I want to be healthier. You know, I want to, when I go to music festivals and, and I go out, I want to, I want to feel better. And ironically, when I met this group of people, that was when I started losing weight. So I, I kind of, I think that it was more of a, sort of a happiness and feeling more accepted because they didn't really care that I was overweight. They really didn't like they were older and in, in a different place. Um, but for high school for me, it was horrible. Like I hated it. Lots of people always say, Oh, you'll, you'll look back and your school years will be the best years of your life. You know? And no, I still remember the day that we finished school. Like I ran out of there and I was like, good riddance to bad rubbish. And I've never looked back. And like, I still used to like sometimes every so often, you know, you'll bump into someone that you went to school with or they'll find you on Facebook. Every time I just cringe and I'm like, oh, I, I hate it. Like every memory I have of you is tainted by school. So yeah, it wasn't a great time for me. And I really, I mean, mentally, yeah. I just, I also think it messed me up for later on. Like it became, I became obsessed with like, and I still think it's a problem now with like approval of others and trying to like win people over with things because in school that, that I felt like that was the only way that like I ever got sort of any sort of justification. Uh, I mean like approval from anyone was if I could give them something, you know, yeah. cool, be like, oh yeah, you know, so yeah, it wasn't school for me was not a not a good time at all. 
I, I can relate to that like so, so deeply. Like school was awful. I, my school, I like the way that I got treated was so bad. I actually tried to graduate early. Like my thought process being a kid, I was like, okay, how do I get out of this hellhole? And my idea was if I take extra classes, like if I, it's, early, yeah. if I, if I, if I stop doing study hall, okay. And I take an extra class every single year. Okay. And maybe they'll even let me do another extra class and split classes here. Um, maybe I could graduate early and I was on track to graduate literally one year early. Um, cause it was so, it was so awful. And I, I also do not have like, I did not miss any of those people. And a couple of them who tried to reach out on Facebook, I, I let them know. I was like, listen, you are awful to me and you ruined a large portion of my life. And I never want to talk to you ever again. Um, that's the thing you know what's interesting for me is like because a couple of people reached out to me years later and i was just like you don't actually interesting is when i was at university so by this stage i kind of lost weight um i was feeling really good in my skin and i was at a nightclub or whatnot and a guy who again tiny school right was like quoted one of the the best looking guys and and in that state like when i was in school like this particular gent was like you know all the girls liked him yeah. and walked around big boy on campus you leave school, you realize actually he wasn't that attractive, probably a little bit dumb, like not your thing. Um, but I was at a club and this guy comes over and he wants to buy me a drink and I look over and I realize who it is. And I was just like, do you remember me like at all? Because I clearly remember having a conversation, like being in a group of people where you mocked your friend in front of me being like how embarrassing it would be if this ugly fat girl was into you and lol, lol, you know what I mean? Like, that's so funny. And I was like, I remember that. I remember being laughed at with everyone around, not knowing what to do, not wanting to cry, kind of just standing there horrified, not knowing what to say. I clearly remember that. Now you're at a bar trying to buy me a drink. And I said to him, I was like, do you even remember me? And I explained exactly who I, who I was and that whole story. And his response was to look at me and just be like, oh, well, you've got hot now. Do you want a drink? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you have not, like, not, you have not changed. You are exactly the same as what you were when you were 14. And that's really sad. Um, and it just was interesting as well that I was like, some of those people you meet when you tell them how they made you feel, they don't, they're just like, oh, but it was high yeah. school. Who cares? And I was like, oh, maybe you don't care, but I, I will have, I will hold on to this. I'm super self conscious. Like, I know I'm all out there talking on, on the, on screen and whatever, but I am actually really self-conscious i have so much self-doubt yeah. and i don't want to blame you because it's not like it's not you can't put blame on there but i'm pretty sure you played a role <laughs> yeah yeah like the years of therapy that i had to do is definitely uh i'm like yeah i'm never gonna forget this i'm sorry but uh, i i relate to that like that need for almost like validation from people um i think that that is it's really dangerous too right like it's just not a it's not a good thing at all and so like I totally understand that. Were you able to keep up your studies and stuff at school? Was that something, or did you struggle with that? Because I know, like for me, I kind of delved into that, and then video games. That was the only things that I did. Is I would just go schoolwork and then Ultima Online, and that was my life. So yeah, I mean, I was good. I, I obviously I, I read a lot. So school, school. I found high school just came easy to me because I like to read. Um, mm -hmm. So the subjects that I did. It was, it was easy. If you like the stuff that I wasn't good at, I could do enough. I always, yeah. I regret this when I look at, I skated through school. I did really well considering, um, but I was like, you could have done way better. Like I did sort of skate through, but that was like, I put my focus in that. I put my focus in food. Like I'm well aware that that became like a thing was food. Um, 
because I, I wasn't someone that ate in public. That was the weirdest thing. So I was a binge eater. So like uh, that, that was a problem as well. So like food binge eating became a thing. So the moment I said I'd get home and like steal food, obviously my mom was trying to help me and be like, oh, you know, you don't really have to have that. You've just eaten this. So then it became a thing of trying to like hide food, which is yeah. ironic because I spoke to her a couple of months ago and I was like, did you know that I was like stealing food? And she was like, of course I bought the groceries. Like I was well aware that you were stealing half a loaf of bread every day and running to your room and shoving it in your face. You know, like who do you think bought the food? And I was like, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, so, and then I also, I actually rode horses growing up, um, which is ironic because I was so overweight. Uh, but I, that, I put a lot of time into that and, and we had like a big property. So like my dogs, I, I used to just go and roll up and down in the grass. Like that was where I was happiest because it sounds so cliche, but they didn't judge you. You know, they wanted to be your friend anyway. And then the internet, which I'm not sure, like games, the internet, um, my dad let us pretty much run rampant. So I used to build, no one ever remembers this, but there used to be something called GeoCities where you could build free websites. So super, I used to build websites. Like that's what I did. So I would build these websites on GeoCities. I had some weird guy from like Australia once emailed. My dad didn't have my own email. My dad did book off, like check our email. And he emailed wanting to hire me to build a website because he didn't realize that I was just this like 11 year old girl building her websites. Um, it's hectic. GeoCities was the business. And then I saw, I set up a game with my friends because I liked horses. So we set up this like, we called us, it was a cyber horse game. And we built these little websites where we had these stables with our made up horses because we'd find pictures on the internet of our horses. And then we'd run these like horse shows together and we'd sell and trade horses. We had like a whole little like weird game going on, all in our imaginations, but with our little baby websites that we did all these things on. And that was kind of, that and Mortal Kombat kind of kept me sane, I suppose. That is amazing. Did you build your own website too? Because I've seen your website. Your website looks very nice. Did, so did, the one that you here, because the one yeah. you currently see, I, I did not. Um, the one before that, I built myself, and then recently I did an upgrade, and I, I kind of wanted a facelift. And um, my boyfriend's sister is a web developer, and I kind of went to, and I was like, I don't have time. I could build it. I was pretty sure I could do it, um, but I was just feeling lazy. So I was like, Can you fix that? Can you? change this and this and this and, and do that. Um, but for the most part, I can, when it comes to WordPress stuff, I can pretty much build. I mean, I think anyone can, if you can Google, you just buy the theme, figure out how to change a few things. It's a pretty straightforward process. Uh, but yeah, the latest one, I, it's the first time I can't take credit for it because I, I just convinced someone else to do it because I was too lazy. And I was like, oh, I just, the time that this, that you have to put into it. But yeah, I've done lots of, I went through a stage as well, like three, four years ago. Um, funny enough, just after I, quit my like sort of day job uh, and was trying to make, I mean, I don't want to say I was trying to make these sports of thing. I was kind of just trying to figure out what I was going to do because I didn't want to work for a boss anymore. Um, I actually did build websites for people. Uh, like I do web developments if they needed me to, uh, but I stopped that quickly because I don't like dealing with people. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is uh, completely fair. Um, people are a hassle. There is a reason that I stopped becoming a therapist and dropped out of my master's program. <laughs> So, I don't think I can know, be a therapist. Oh no, uh, definitely. Uh, uh, no. Then I went and worked with esports players for a bit, which was still working. Which is with the people. same as being 
it is the same as being a therapist, if not worse. Okay, kind of, kind of, yeah. But and so now, now I do a lot more fun things. So it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, but yeah, kind of looking at like ah. Oh, I called you a tech wizard, okay? Have you always been someone who's been like really deep into tech and wanting to learn about like different things or different products and stuff like that? Or did that come later on? So I think uh, it came a little bit later on and I, I wouldn't, do you know what it's it's like, I don't know if I would say I'm like super deep into it and like that in, in the sense that I prefer to just, I'm like, okay, cool. What, what is it going to do for me to make my life better? I'm more yeah. interested in like, cool. So like, I think a lot of people are like super into the tech and what's built under the hood and things. Whereas I'm more just like, cool, how does this make my life better? Yeah. Show me. Um, which is where the sort of tech thing came was because I was working at a radio station and it turned out that I had a skill of understanding why that mattered to like the general public. And so from there, it kind of, I was always forced to write the tech stories. And then I started realizing that people actually want to know about the stuff that I thought didn't matter because people that are super into tech will tell you it doesn't matter. But actually for the most part, that's all people buying the tech really care about. So that was kind of, I like going, okay, cool. What is it going to do for me? And I don't want any of the big words, like explain it in like a, a human way. So I, I had to learn how to like translate that for me. Yeah. And I like doing that. Like I like explaining to my mom, you know, how her Chromecast is actually better for her. <laughs> That's fair. So one of the interesting things about you actually um, is that you ended up going to school for journalism and then later on for uh, communications and media studies. Uh, but journalism is such an... It's a very odd thing for someone who, especially when you say that, um, like, I imagine, like, were you very socially, like, acquainted? Did you like talking to people? Because I didn't sound like it, and I, but I don't want to make like the, the assumption. Of, I mean, I like the sound of my own voice. I never had an issue doing public speaking and stuff like that. Like, I stand up and do a speech and things like that. So I was fine. I just, I didn't like being in, like, a social setting. Um, but I, we grew up we were lucky and then we grew up where like our opinions, we were always told our opinions mattered. So we were never like, it's a weird situation where again, my dad, who's not great with people, but maybe was the greatest sort of one was like, there was none of this, which is, this is a good and a bad thing. Yeah. There was none of this, like respect your elders. If you thought an old person was being stupid, you were allowed to tell them that you disagreed with them. Um, I mean, you were, I wasn't allowed to sit at a, at a the very few public functions we went to, if we disagreed with someone, we could, we were allowed to, he felt we were allowed to debate. If we could debate our points, he was very strict about how we debated our point. We weren't allowed to be like, you're an idiot. But he taught us like the arts. Also, we grew up with someone who would, he would disagree with, like if you did, this is like I said, good and bad. Like growing up, like if you did something at school and you were like, oh, look, I wrote this essay and I got, you know, 79%. And then he'd read through it and be like, well, you understand why you didn't get a distinction because you did this, this, and this wrong. And then you'd want to have a debate with you about it. Um, good and bad, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah. not good when it's your kid, but good. Cause he taught you how to like sort of reason. So he was always like, you can just, if, if you disagree with someone, you can tell them. And he was, he kind of allowed us to have really strong opinions on things, uh, which is ironic. Cause I'm pretty sure that's why we butted heads later on. But because of that, I was always I was quite vocal in my opinions of things outside of me um, and my personal life, if that makes sense. Um, so I wasn't good in a public setting and I didn't really get on with people, but I was quite happy to stand up in class and lecture them about something I'd read in history. So because of that, I kind of went the journalism route, believe it or not, because by that point I'd kind of found my own skin and I'd found my friends who I found these like really fascinating people outside of like, if you looked at them, like like I said, my best friend was this hardcore goth, yeah. you know, only wore black, dyed the hair, 
we were she was dating that he was a heavy did heavy played heavy metal so like that was it was a very different group of people and I decided that I wanted to study journalism because I wanted to go and be I was very specific about this I wanted to be a war reporter for Sky News I wanted to stand in front of a camera in the worst places in the world and report on what was happening because that was what I felt would make a difference in the world and I could do that. So that's wow. why I studied journalism. Yeah. I, I mean, I can explain to you why that didn't happen in the end as well. So. I mean, I, I, I would like to hear that story as well. I would, I mean, I feel like if you don't tell me that story, you're okay. leaving me hanging here a little bit. So three years of studying journalism, how but everyone else, like there was a lot of people I was, that were, were studying journalism as well. We wanted to like go right for Cosmo and, and, you know, and I was just like, war reporter like every day it was just like war reporter war reporter war reporter got into radio at that point loved being on radio so it was kind of working at the campus radio station focusing majoring in politics because that was a good choice to make for a war reporter um graduated decided to do an honors degree but i wanted to work at the same time got a job at a radio station like a, a youth station um was so this was a what's so cool so yfm was like a huge influence during apartheid specifically like the, the sort of the, the youth movements and, and mobilizing the youth um, movement so it was kind of unheard of for yeah. a white girl to get into their newsroom um because of who their audience was and and kind of the history but met with their editor and he thought it was funny that i'd even sent he was like the the balls to kind of send a cv and say well hire me so he hired me um went to go work there because I was going to be a news reporter, you know. Uh, so I was busy working at YFM, and then the first day he was like, right, I'm going to send you to a riot. Uh, you're going to go out. We're going to cover this. We're going to phone you. Got in my car. Off I went, super psyched, and then was driving in and had a bunch of very angry people who were completely right to be angry start shaking my car and moving it up and down and shaking it. And young sort of 20-something Girl, little Sam sat there and suddenly looked around and was like, I'm terrified. Like, I don't actually know how to handle this. I know I'm supposed to be reporting on this. I know I should, you know, just get out and be like, I'm a reporter, big balls, off you go. But I'm actually really scared. I'm scared because everyone's getting super violent. I'm scared. I'm scared about the violence. I'm scared because these people are so angry and I understand why they're angry and I'm kind of angry for them. And I kind of want to like, I kind of want to get in with them now. I don't know. I don't want to just stand here on the side. And then I like, had all these mixed emotions and kind of was like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if I can stand on the sidelines. This is, it was, a, I think it was a mixture of being terrified and horrified because I think it was also the first time I, I knew at, at that stage they were writing about service delivery. They weren't getting, they didn't have running, they didn't have access to running water. So they didn't have access to like usable toilets. So yeah. this particular area was rioting because they had now had enough. So they were breaking things down, smashing things. If they picked up any, like if they saw any government officials, they were throwing rocks at them. And there was like this weird, I just couldn't cope because I was kind of there going, I'm angry with you because what's happening yeah. is wrong. I'm terrified personally, but also like, it's not right. Like you're hurting these people and I want to help these people. I can't. And then I, I sort of watched the like more serious journalists. They just stood there. Like no one cared. They were just there to report, you know? And I don't know, it was like all this mix of emotions, went home, sobbed my eyes out for like two weeks. It was like, I clearly can't be a news reporter because I actually, I think I'm hardcore and I talk a big game and I read these horrible books. But it turns out when I, I'm there and I watch someone get hit with a, a rock, I, I can't, like I'm, I'm, I can't deal with this. So there was like a very weird time there where I had to accept the fact that my dream of working on Sky News in war-torn countries was probably not 
suited to my, my mental stability wasn't going to handle it. Um, so then I went into court reporting, which I actually found a hell of a lot more fun. So sitting in court, um, turns out I really like law, realized I wish I'd studied law, because uh, I found that fascinating, like how the law works and things like that. Um, and then just slowly kept getting given more and more tech stories and court reporting and then kind of found my way into where I am now. So I want to ask you a follow-up question then. So you're, you're right after this, right. What do you tell your boss? Like, Hey, I can't do this. And what is his response to that? My boss was such a dick. And I can say this cause I've told him before. like, he was probably like, he was so great. Like he was my first like real boss, such an asshole. Um, and everyone who's worked for him, ironically, every single one of us who worked in that newsroom during the time that he was editor, we hated him. Like he was the topic of conversation. Every time he walked up, it's just, what a horrible person he was. And it's so funny because since then, if I look at the team that worked in that newsroom all together when he was editor, every single one of us has gone on to do what I think is like, we've done really good for ourselves. Yeah. Like in our chosen parts, we've really like, we've made big strides. And it's funny because now when we all talk, we're like, we still will tell you that Zucchini is an asshole, but like, wow. <laughs> like he taught us what we needed to know to get to where we need to be. Uh, so I still remember coming back, being very upset. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and he was really, he was really harsh at me at the time. And he was like, you are a spoiled little white girl who grew up in the perfect world with the picket fence. And he was like, you can't do this because you don't understand. You think you do because you watch TV and you read on the internet and you read books and you think you know what the world looks like, but you actually have no idea because you've been completely sheltered from it. And what you experience today is for the first time is having the veil lifted. So Welcome to the real world. Um, he did send me to like four more rides after that. I didn't like it, but I went. Like, I didn't quit. Uh, but I was like, I don't like this. It's not for me. But he was like, tough. You'll keep going. And I did keep going. Um, didn't enjoy it though. But also I think it was good because maybe I would have changed my mind. And he was 100% right. I do think that that fear came from a place of just completely... All I had to go on was what I saw on TV, yeah. you know, which was just like really well put together presenter talking into a, a camera while these bombs going off in the background, it looks fine. You don't really comprehend what's actually going on. Um, but I do think he was right. At that point in my life, I was. I'd, I'd lived a really sheltered life. So I didn't realize what the real world was like. And it was good. Like, it forced me to, he forced me to see a lot of things that I didn't understand. And I questioned a lot of my identity. Hated him as a boss, um, but extremely grateful to him for like, what he taught me and some of the things that he that he said to me that at the time I thought what a horrible man to say that where like years on it comes back even now I mean the one thing that stuck with me and like especially now in sort of gaming and in a smaller industry was he, he sat outside of me once and he said um we, we both were smokers at the time we were smoking on balcony because everyone smokes in a newsroom it's just like a thing and he said to me you know you have a problem as a, a female in this space. And I was like, well, what space? And at that point it was political journalism. Yeah. And he was like, it's two things. He was like, when you walk into a room, you either have to be a bitch and everyone's got to call you a bitch and everyone's got to be scared of you. If you want a seat at the table, they got to, they got to hate you to give you a seat at the table. He was like, or you got to walk in and flirt with all of them. So they think you want to sleep with them and you can have a seat at the table. And he was like, but you need to decide which one you are. And you need to make that decision now. And I still said to him, well, I don't want to be either. And he was like, then you'll never have a seat at the table. And I thought at the time, I was like, what a horrible thing to say to a woman. Like, how sexist are you? Yeah. Until one day I walked in and realized, holy shit, 
that is exactly what's happening here. Like that is, he's, he wasn't, he wasn't wrong. And he was never saying it was right. He was simply saying right now, sexism exists. And this was in politics and it, it's the same in, in the gaming space, whatever he was saying, sexism exists. And if you want to like, if you want to be here and you want to be, and you want to get in, this is probably the two paths you're going to have to take. Cause right now there is no easy, there, there's, when I say yeah. easy, there is no normal path for a woman. You're going to have to play one of these sides. If you want to seat at the table at the time, I thought he was a dick years later. I was like, you were trying to tell me then that in your own way, that the cards are stacked against you, be prepared for it. You know, it wasn't his way of saying, Oh, you have to go and flirt with these guys. I think it was his way of trying to say, listen, you need to be prepared for the fact that like, they're not going to accept you because you yeah. got boobs. Um, so those were kind of like the life lessons he taught me. Still think he I was feel a like, though, eh? yeah, I feel like I would actually get along with your boss. Cause I have that very, it's, it's not good. And I've worked on my delivery a lot. Um, I, cause I delivery, I think is very important cause you can say that in a nicer way or you could, but I think that like this, like very almost like brash, harsh type of like, Hey, there's games out there that you can either choose to play or you cannot be a part of them. And that's just like, I wish it was different, but that's just how the world kind of works. Cause I, that was something I learned like doing business and stuff and like contracting business does not give two fucks about your feelings ever. And it, it won't, you either play the game and you play it the way that, that people have decided it's going to play. And eventually, maybe you can change it if you play it well enough or you don't. And that's like, like it's awful, but that's basically the options, right? Because you yeah, can't I mean, change it until you. Exactly. Zucchini taught me a lot of life lessons. I appreciate them now. Still, though, underpaid me, overworked me and oh, spoke yeah. to me like trash. But like now we're yeah. now we actually still now we get on and have long conversations and it turns out everyone who works because we all quit like at one like this entire group at one point each of us walked in and, and quit like immediately just walked in and said I've had enough of you um he made me cry he made uh, I've seen him make grown men cry we all walked out we stormed out and left and we're like excuse my language but we're like fuck you <laughs> and walked out and now we're all like wow. We learned so much from that man, but he made every single one of us at some point just storm that swearing at him. So I think it was good. You know, like I said, underpaid. I wonder if he learned from that or if it was just a common occurrence. Like he's like, when they're ready for the real world, they'll all quit on me. Like that's oh, the-, this is the thing. I actually don't think now that I look back, I'm like, I don't think anyone that he had work under him didn't quit in a st- and storm out. Um, and yet, and, but everyone that worked under him, because now he hasn't run a newsroom in a long time, but every single person who worked in that newsroom, like I said, went on to do incredible things. I think we've got our first sort of female rugby commentator slash desk host in South Africa, who also happens to be a woman of color, who is incredible. She worked in our team. Uh, also a phenomenal female football host. She worked in our team. Um, one of the biggest, he's, he now hosts one of like the main he didn't even quit. He got fired because Zucchini didn't like his attitude. Um, the one day he was like, I've just actually had enough of you. That's what he said to Zucchini. He was like, I've actually had enough of you. Zucchini was like, you're fired. And Jacob was like, whatever, and just left. Jacob's now like on morning TV every day as one of the top hosts. Like it's, it's weird. Every single one of us went on to do something. So I was like, hmm. we all had to go through this weird gauntlet of getting attacked. Oh. I mean, after dealing with that, you, probably everything else was not as bad, right? Like, like I mean, really, can it get much worse than that? Well, I don't know if it got much worse. I think what I liked about, I mean, my like I said, Zucchino was, I mean, he was hard and he was horrible, but at least you knew what you were getting with yeah. him. You know what I mean? Like, he said exactly 
like he said all the things he just said it as it was and if he was upset with you he'd tell you he was upset with you um and you you knew and it was he like he was pretty like brash and upfront i think it gets harder when you move into like corporate spaces where people aren't like that. Oh, where they stab, they try to stab you in the back, like sneakily. Like the weird, yeah. yeah like the weird, everyone's your friend, but no one's really your friend. And everyone's, I, 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 t- I take a zucchini any day. Like it makes me cry, but I deal with that every time. Did you notice that in game? Cause that was one of the things I noticed when I started working in like gaming and esports. is it, at least from my perspective, it feels like that all the time. Like, and maybe it was because I was in the competitive side, but it, it always feels like someone is trying to find a way to stab you in the back. Like the South African gaming and esports scene when I started was such a, it still is to an extent, but was such a weird piranha pits of just, it was just weird. I also think that I started in a time when there were no females in the space, like there were no women. Um, and then I come in just being an idiot because that's my vibe making. I still remember the videos I used to make, uh, which were ridiculous. Like I used to do, like, I did this like esports bachelors of CSGO one year. I saw that. Like, I saw that. I, I won't lie. Sh- I couldn't click it. I couldn't click it. I it's saw it. So I was like, cringe. I should watch this. And I was it. like, I do you, can't. The, do you know what the worst is for me? And I actually think I need to take it down because JT, who now plays for Cloud9 and is kind of a big deal. He was like 15, 16. I put him in that damn video and he was so awkward. He was scared of me. He was like, he didn't really know himself. And I keep looking at him like, oh my gosh, I put poor JT in there. And like one day someone's going to find this because he's from cloud nine. And like, and like, it was meant to be like tongue in cheek and funny. It's horrible. Like it's absolutely horrible. But I was doing that because I was like, this is funny. I want to create like, and this was, I want to make stories. I'm sick and tired of the same narratives. It's like, you know, show their personality a bit. This is how Yeah completely wrong like now that i'm older and i look back and i know more i'm like that was not the way to show personalities that was just you're dumb you thought you were funny and you really weren't but at the time that was like how i was telling the stories but the thing was at the time that worked because it did start like people started noticing going oh who's you doing something different but at the same time like imagine and i can kind of understand why people got like why why gents in the scene got a bit pissed off because they were like trying to copy everything they see overseas, be super professional with their waistcoats and their shirts and ties. And then this girl with her freaking sideways cap and her jeans runs in and is like, oh my God, bachelors of esports. You know, like, what? What? Uh, I'd be angry too. And then she gets all the attention. Like, of course it's going to upset you a little bit, you know? So fair enough. But yeah, when I, when I started, it was... It was scary. It was really scary. I it's the, the I think up and coming scenes and like new scenes and, and new industries always like that. It's all a little bit like weird behind your back play and stuff. But I think I've never experienced it when I've been working in sort of like professional rooms, if I'm honest. See, like I, was, I I've just maybe it's just because I've heard so many stories too, because I a lot of my friends are like a lot of the friends that when I first got into esports were like in side um so like they were doing all the news stories and and stuff like that and like jacob both is one of my best friends and he's obviously broken some pretty uh huge stories with uh, oh, you've got all the dirt but that's, it's a new i think that the problem uh, is it's an industry that's not yeah i don't think any industry it's, it's should be new. regulated it's new and there's yeah. a lot of people who are coming into it who their only real qualification is that they like to play video games it's slightly yeah. problematic you know um so yeah. you, you're gonna get people in that are like well i know what i'm doing but no you don't so you do get yeah. like contracts are my favorites do you know how many contracts i've seen that have been copy pasted off the internet and then they've pulled like different pieces from different places and put them all together 
I have an interest in law. I wish I'd studied it. I'm by no means a lawyer. Don't get me wrong. But like, I can read a legal document and I'm like, wow, this is bad. Like everything about this is terrible. And you signed it at the bottom. Like, why did you do that? And then someone's like, oh, but I got this free mask for it. And you're like, what? Yeah. 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 The backstabbing uh, and the fighting. It's, uh, but I mean, uh, that's why we stick around as well, right? Those stories are pretty entertaining. They are pretty entertaining. So you had an, obviously you were looking at doing uh, like, courts um journalism right you were also doing tech stuff where does the jump into esports start to occur where you start to think that hey like this is what i want to do because you obviously did a lot of other things before you even got to like some of the esports stuff like you did pr and marketing business development management and then you you kind of jump into like some of the esports stuff so i get bored really quickly that's the first thing like i get bored with people i get bored with stuff um so i do jump around a lot uh, but that wasn't what happened with me was i'd been playing games um i grew up in a house where being good at video games was important so i yeah. kind of the older i got um when we started playing multiplayer games because my my brother and my dad were so good at them and they made sure to let you know that i was if you were horrible and you were made to feel very small like that you were horrible I kind of started withdrawing from those types of games. I didn't really want to play with other people just because, yeah, my, my family's the, the first, second places, first loser types, um, but they don't let you forget it either. I love yeah. people. I also realized that it's actually a bad habit that I now have, um, but they'd very much be like, haha, you're so shit. No one really helped you. They just laughed at you and told you yeah. how shit you were and made you feel tiny. So I kind of started moving away from that, but I'd always played games. Like we were playing, we used to play Mortal Kombat when we were young. I remember being super young and like having to go and look, there was no such thing as Google then. Like you had to go on the internet to find cheats for Mortal Kombat so you could do baby fatalities. Um, so that was like, we were playing Mortal Kombat then. My dad obviously had no issue with us watching him play Diablo. He used to let us play Doom. Like he was super chilled about all that. So we played a lot of, horrible games that we shouldn't have but that were the best like Red Alert was my favorites and then we did Age of Empires like so we were always playing games it wasn't like something that wasn't there but it was kind of not something that I I didn't do the multiplayer thing but it wasn't something I spoke about either because I'd obviously been bullied through high school because I was pretty like I said like being interested in like Star Wars and Star Trek and being super overweight and and then being like I played video games like no so a lot of that stuff was kept quiet started the blog um, and then I have a friend, her name is Pippa Shabalala. So she was probably, I'd say, I'm going to be in trouble for saying this because I'm sure there was someone before her, but like the first female face, if you like, of, of for games in South Africa. So it was like this weekly show that used to run on sort of like national TV. And she was on every night hosting The Verge. It was like this game. And like we all watched it when we were kids. And it was kind of like Pippa was The Verge. She was the first girl if you like yeah. to step forward and be like coming in tattoos and be like i like video games um and i knew pippa and and i had a friendship with her and she knew i played games and she knew that i was interested in games and she kept saying to me she was like why don't you write about games on your blog you know like why don't you why don't you cover gaming as well you do tech and you've got this like cool little vibe because at that stage blogs were also like relatively new she's like why don't you do games and i was like hell no like i'm not not good at them. I've never been someone that can just naturally get into a game. It takes me forever to like figure out controls and things like that. Yeah. Even now, like FIFA, every year I pick up a console, like I pick up the controller. It's the same game. Nothing changes. I'm still like, oh God, I have to take like 72 hours to figure it out. That's just how I am. 
So she was like, well, why don't you write about that? Like, tell people that that's how it is for you because you're not the only one. There's millions of us like that. And I was like, no, 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 because family was like super hardcore. By that stage, my brother competed in Dota. Like my brother was, he was one of the best Dota players in the country. So like even worse because my brother would never let me you know, admit that our family was shit at video games. Like it was a point of pride, you know, he was a competitive Dota player. Um, so I was like, no, I'm not interested. And then she said to me, she had like started an online lifestyle magazine called Splice. And she was like, listen, I'll tell you what, I need someone to do gaming reviews. Your name's not going next to it. It'll be in the front to contribute. And no one needs to know you wrote it, but I think you should play these games. And, you know, like I'll give you, like, I'll give you code. It was all indie stuff. Um, and she was like, you write about it. I still think I, I, I'm trying to think about what is it that we, I can't even remember, but it was like these weird like indie games. And she was like, you go do those. Um, I think I did all the walking dead stuff at one point. And like, just go play the, the telltale stuff and, and whatever. So I did all of that, wrote those and really loved it. Like, I was actually having fun. Like, I was like, this is really cool. And I could tell it from my point of view, you know, like explain how long it took me to get into it, how to understand it. Like the chapter, I like the chapter set, set up, whatever, whatever. While I was doing that, and obviously I didn't realize at the time Pippa was slowly, you know, getting me out of my shell. She introduced me to a gent called Marco, who was also a writer. And she was like, Marco, why doesn't Marco, you know, write on Tickle? Like he's he's pretty, you know, he's he'll be open to this and, and he'll be fun. And he was like, oh, yeah, he wants to do it as well. And at that stage, Marco was the first openly gay gaming media in South Africa who came out and said, guess what? Like I'm writing about games, but I'm also gay. So like Marco had gone through shit for that like he had just no one it was a very hardcore boys club at that stage she was like marco needs a place to write spliced at this stage she needed to kind of shut down so she's like well, why don't you let marco write for you and like i i think now when i look back Pippa's just a genius because she kind of connected us all together and yeah. it's ironic because my my player too in the career he's in now he got his first break because of Pippa as well so i feel like she's like the god the godmother that none of us knew we had but Marco then started writing games on my blog, like gaming news and stuff. And then slowly but surely was like, he then kind of was starting to set up his own thing. And he was like, always talking to me about it, being like, Sam, just, just start writing about these things. Like you've done it already. Kind of braved me into, and then I started dabbling. And then I started writing a few things. The esports thing was always there. So yeah. I had done some freelance stuff around esports or Splice and some other magazines where my name wasn't necessarily tied to it. And I've got content from that I found the other day from like way back when that I'd written for like a university newspaper because I knew it um all the players basically lived at my house because we had the best internet my brother and his team were always playing there um so I was aware I was there I was watching but I, I kind of I never really thought to to go in there it was a thing that I went to go watch and then what happened was and it's like the most wholesome little story for you and i'm just talking so much i'm so sorry you're good you're <laughs> good don't worry don't worry this is good people want to hear you talk not me so it's okay okay i just realized i was like yeah you're like on this like whole little speech all by yourself for like 10 minutes um what happened was is like so in south africa there was one big esports event a year it happened at like the biggest gaming expo we have which is called rage but it all happened downstairs in a basement no one knew they existed so anyone on the top floor unless you knew, did not know that this stuff was going on down there. There were like hundreds of, of people playing. Um, and it was all happening. And I used to go down every year because my brother was down there. And every yeah. year I went down there, I was always like, why does, why are you not down here? You know what I mean? Like, why, why is no one coming here? My brother's like, no one cares. Hmm. Toxic little Darren off he ran. Um, and I couldn't understand it. It was like a thing that bugged me. So I started doing like a couple of pieces about 
DGL and how no one gives it any attention. And then, then they threw a ridiculous amount of money at it. Um, so sponsors came in one year and out of the blue, because they'd seen a big stadium overseas, found six figures, threw the six figures at it and went, boom, yeah, e- this is it. Now this is esports, which was the worst idea ever, but just it happened. They did um, this giant launch event with all the media and the lights. They spent a small fortune, threw a super famous person out, came out of a giant egg that opened and presented him to all the media who didn't know who he was. There were like six players in the front going, oh my God, everyone else was like, who is this strange middle-aged man coming out of the egg? Um, Huge big thing. The media that was there is obviously this was a big telecoms company. So the telecoms company pays a lot for advertising, which means media have to be excited. I knew this because I came from media. Um, So the media is running around doing the interviews. And one of the kids that grew up with my brother, used to play with my brother, is is a guy called Ashton Goldsmuller, who is probably one of the best CSGO players from South Africa now. Uh, and, And he's now retired, but he runs one of the biggest gaming organizations here. At the time, he was just a player. And I remember him running up to me at like 10 o'clock at night. So excited. I don't know if he had been drinking the free booze. I don't really know. But he was so excited. And he was just like, gave me this big hug. I knew his parents. I knew his parents were really unhappy about the fact that Ash had this esports obsession. They wanted him to get like a real job. Yeah. He gave me a big hug. And I'll never forget. He looked me in the face and he was like, this is it. This is it. Like, it's finally here. Everyone will get it now. And he ran off super excited. And my heart dropped because I was like, no, they weren't. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just like, the media are here today and they'll write about this tomorrow. And on Thursday, no one will remember. Like they'll just move on to the next thing. And at that moment, my heart dropped. So I was like, how's this kid who for years has been trying to tell his dad that this is, this is a thing and it's going to happen. And no one's going to care. Like he believes that this is it, but everyone will forget. And in that moment, I was just like, what the hell? You've got this platform. You by that stage had like a little follow. You have a little following. Screw it. Like we're gonna talk about esports now. And I wrote this whole very emotional blog post about how I was gonna write about esports and make esports content. And I was gonna tell the player stories because people need to pay attention, put it out there, made esports bachelor's videos, some other stupid donor video that I can't even remember, like absolute trash content but it was content no one else was making it so yeah then just started making that content and was like i'm gonna tell these stories did interviews thought i was like super pro you know with my little phone on my tripod and off i went and then it was just like someone saw it i mean i'm not stupid i think they needed a, a girl um so i'm not i'm aware that the decision probably came from the fact like oh girl let's grab that um someone came to me and said oh can you do some interviews for this DGL, which was the giant egg thing in my bar. And I was like, yeah, cool. Did a couple of interviews. So bad. So, so bad when I watched them. It's just horrible. Um, but did them. And then they hired me for a hosting job. And I happened to be co-hosting um, alongside Paul Reda Chilota. And he was like, hey, actually, if you wanted to take this seriously, you're not half shit, which I didn't really know. I thought at the time, I was like, cool, that's nice. You have to say that because they paid you to come here. So I'll take it. Uh, but then I had a shit time in my job, quit my job in a, in a, in like a bit of a half about a personal thing that I didn't like my boss. It's actually starting to be a theme now. Um, cause I just thought he treated people like shit, quit my job and was like, well, now I have to make something happen. So I was doing a bunch of freelance stuff and sp- spoke to Paul and said, are you serious about this? And he gave me a list of things to do and I did it. And 
then suddenly I was in esports, basically. So you ah. see, esports bachelor videos work. They do yeah, work. That was I a mean, very long story. I'm so yeah, sorry. No. Wait, why are you apologizing? Because it's the... just so much talking. What do you think this show is? This show is about <laughs> you talking. Oh, that's, that's the whole point here. Okay, that's the whole point. Okay, you said you see you you didn't think that I could get three hours out of you. Now almost like my goal is to prove to I'm you worried. that maybe I could. And it's like so. Another question. Um, you mentioned it, we won't go three hours. Okay, I promise. Um, I was but, suddenly like, well, dude, I told you I got siege. I got siege. No, practice no you're good. You're good. I, <laughs> Um, so my next question for you, uh, you kind of mentioned being an interview and working on things. What do you think makes a good interview? Which is kind of like a standard question that you would ask someone who does interviews. But I want something more because I'll give you my opinion first. I don't like most people who do interviews. I don't like their interview style. I don't like the fact that they feel very surface level. And I don't like the fact that a lot of times the questions are pre-written. That's like my issues with interviews that I see most of the time generally. So that would be my things. But... What, what, what do you got? So I think the, first, the most important thing when you're interviewing is to realize it's not about you and no one really cares about you. Um, you're really not, no one cares. Like you're not the star of the show. You're not meant to be the star of the yeah. show. If anyone's talking about you and what you said and how you did it afterwards, you failed. Um, so that's always my first thing. Um, I, people shouldn't remember you. If people don't remember who asked the question, but they remember the answers to the question, you've done your job. And then that for me makes a good interview. And I think that the second thing which is where it becomes a little bit more complex. I think a good interviewer is someone who can connect with someone very quickly and create trust to allow that person to speak openly about how they feel. That is very difficult with, believe it or not, like mid-level sports stars, esports players specifically, because yeah. and and you know they, no one these are not these are not people that chose they're they're not famous football players that got tons of media training. Um, so yeah. I think it's really difficult to make a connection and allow them to trust you. I think what then happens is the safest space to play in is to ask the safe standard question because they feel comfortable with that. Taking it a little bit sideways sometimes with someone like that who doesn't have that trust with you can be really difficult. So then you tend to have the safe standard, let me just ask this because I know that they can answer. Um, but I think a good interviewer is someone, like I said, who understands it's not about them and also can build trust really quickly. I think it's different. I mean, I don't disagree with what you said. Like some interviews are most of the time those like standard, straight up, boring questions. But also as someone who's been on the other side, yeah. where I've had two minutes with someone before and realized that they actually don't understand English. Um, and are probably not going to understand me if I ask them anything more than, did you have a good game? Uh, which I would never ask because they'd just say yes and that'd be weird. But, um, you know, like any of those questions. So I think... So I think it's a it's a difficult balance to have. Um, but Joe, if you can understand that it's not about you, I think you're halfway there already. Also, don't yeah. do videos about why they're single because those are really awkward. Oh, I thought that you was just my said video. I thought I thought that was the key to success here. Like, no. you know, that's that's what but I was going to go next. Is like haunt you forever. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Now, I think it's very interesting. So I, like I said, I'm sometimes I'm very brash about things. So that's just one of the things that I've noticed that I've never liked about like interviews. Like I will turn off interviews a lot of times if they're, if I notice like, especially if they're short and they're asking the same, like if, if 
if I come up with a question that they're going to ask and then they ask the question, that's generally like, I'm like, okay, okay, we're good. I'm going to get some standard PR answer that is the same thing that I've heard 50 times. So I think I that's think the, was, the issue. I think it, I completely agree with you though. I wish that there was a way to like, I mean, I think there just needs to be a little bit more thought as to what's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then you also have that difficulty. And like, I know that sometimes I've said to a player, okay, cool, I want to ask this. And they're just like, no, don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? And you're like, okay, that, that's cool. We got two minutes, but okay, cool. We'll think of something else. Oh, I once had my favorite, favorite one was PUBG Europe League. Um, the Navi is completely Russian, right? So no one, no one speaks English. One person, one player speaks English well. Um, and I go, I'm going to interview them. I have no time, like no time. So just before the game starts, the manager of Navi comes to me and she says to me that one of the other players wants to do the interview if they win. So I'm like, but he can't speak English. No, no, no. Turns out he, he claims he can, he can speak English. So I'm like, cool. Okay, cool. Like I'm chilled. Um, and there's no time for me to tell them what the question is because for PUBG, you walk, you walk yeah. straight there with it. So I walk over because they win and he stands up and he's super, super happy. Um, I can't even remember what I asked him. Uh, it was something about the rotation at the end, like the last circle, the rotation. And he just looks at me and he just looks at me with these big eyes sitting at his desk. And he doesn't say anything. So, so I'm like, he doesn't, like my immediate reaction is he obviously doesn't understand me because his English is bad. You know what I mean? Like whatever I don't. So I ask him a really simple question. He answers and afterwards, when, when the cameras are done, I say to him, I was like, did you not understand? And he looks at me in imperfect English because I completely understood. I just thought the question was dumb. What a dick! <laughs> Holy! <laughs> and I just loved it. That, his, that, was, that was his way of dealing with it. It was just not to say anything, which was actually, with, with, in all fairness to him, saved my ass because everyone on the stream thought it was because he could not understand English. So they were all like, he obviously doesn't understand English. Um, so he saved my ass by not responding at all. But I loved the fact that very confidently straight afterwards was like, well, that question was done. Um, and basically made me doubt everything I knew about PUBG at that point um, because the question was not dumb. So it was about rotation. It was not a dumb question, but at the time he had decided it was dumb. So yeah, I mean, that happens too. It's tons of fun. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's... Do you have any, like, horror stories about doing an interview and you're like, oh, my God, that went so bad? Like, my first ever esports job. Uh, my brother plays Dota. I don't know a lot about Dota, I'll be honest. At the time, that's your first job, like, your first proper hosting job. So you believe when you first start out here that admitting that you don't know anything or that you lack knowledge somewhere is... You know, you don't do that. You show, you, you know everything. You have a microphone. You're, you're such a genius. Um, and during the course of this particular tournament, there was CSGO and Dota. CSGO, I understood completely, was doing my own questions. Dota, what I would do is if my, my brother was sort of hanging around at the events and I'd go to him and say, these are the questions I want to ask just before we went on. And he'd be like, dumb question, dumb question. Don't ask that. We read that. Kind of like helped me along because he knew I didn't understand Dota. <laughs> Little shit. The semifinals. I had to do a loser's interview, which, which I just really don't believe should ever happen straight after a game. I think the players should be given yeah. at least 30 minutes before they come back on for a loser's interview. I agree with that. Have to do a loser's interview straight away. They've just come out of the booth. My brother is nowhere to be found because apparently he needed to go eat. I found that out after. 
don't understand. You needed to go get food. Um, but at this stage, I'm like, you know, I find like I think it was like second day in. I've done a, a rehearsal. I've got this mic. I'm on a stage. You know, like I know esports. Um, so I have my question, which basically was shitting on the player, telling him that his team had screwed up somewhere along the lines, um, and that I instead of just going because like the first thing that you that you you learn after you do something like this is if you don't know. Don't go up on the stage and try and ask a complicated analytical question. Just ask the most simple question you can yeah. because you actually don't understand what you're doing. I went up with my very analytical breakdown of what I... So like every everything that you could possibly do wrong as an interviewer, I did. So the first was that I decided that my opinion was important about how this game had gone down. I decided to tell him about what he had done wrong. Um, so I, it was like a whole essay followed by... I th- it was basically the, the question started with, I think X, Y, and Z happened. Uh, how did you feel about that? Don't ask them how they feel because when they feel like shit right now. Yeah. And his response was to look at me up and down and go, that is definitely not how that happened. And just to keep quiet. And in that moment, I realized that I knew nothing about Dota. And my fantastic opinion of what I'd seen could actually be wrong. And if it, if it wasn't wrong, I didn't know how to defend it. So maybe he's wrong, but I don't know because I actually don't know the game and I have no response for him. And there was this very awkward moment of me on the stage, the mic way too far out because I was very far away from him because I didn't know that either yet. Staring at him in the face when he very di- like just looked at me with like the worst. He was also really upset. He'd just been knocked out of the competition and said, that's not exact. That's not how it happened at all. Super awkward, quiet time. Sam takes Mike and goes, thank you. Well done. Because he just lost the game. So well done. And then cross to the casters. And in that moment, I got the nickname <laughs> Cringe Girl. And I had to own that for a while. Um, but yeah, that was, I basically learned so much in that moment that, that I think has, has helped me along the way. But yeah, that is, if you ask me for my worst interview story, that's the one. Uh, it was when Cringe Girl oh. was born. And now Cringe Girl's become like a term of endearment. So now sometimes I'll be working on a broadcast and some people who remember me from that first event will come and they'll spam Cringe Girl in the chat. And then someone who doesn't know will get in and be like, oh, that's wrong. She's not cringe. Shut up. And then there'll be a whole fight because they'll be like, you don't understand. This is a thing. And they'll be like, don't call her cringe. And then I get to, after the broadcast, watch the fight go down and giggle. But yeah, like at the time, that was that was my... That was my moment. That's, that's pretty funny. I like that. So I want to sidetrack here a little bit because I have uh, ADHD and I like to jump questions uh, sometimes, especially these long interviews. Uh, a few years ago, you had five tattoos. Uh, I'm counting. Two- I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was 2017. So I'm just wondering, is there more and which which tattoo has the most meaning to you and why? Okay, hold on. I'm counting. I think there's about eight now. Okay. Okay. I might have missed one. Hold on, I'll do this again. I'm so bad remembering. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, there's eight now. I have eight. Eight? Okay. You've eight. added three since I which one has the most meaning though? Because I feel like most people don't just like either I feel like people don't get tattoos for nothing normally. It's just like generally have some sort of meaning, whether if it's just something that they found really cool or not, or but which tattoo that you have do you think has the most meaning for you? 
So I have this giant like abstract art piece on my shoulder now. Yeah. Um, so that has the most meaning for me because it actually means nothing. Um, it was a cover up because when I was younger, I believed, you know, tattoos must have meaning. They must represent something. Yeah. So I designed all these tattoos myself because obviously I know about tattoo design and I, I demanded that they be put on a certain place. And then I covered the one up on my shoulder. And the only way to cover it up was to do this like ridiculous abstract piece that if you look at everyone who looks at it, always goes, well, what does it mean? And I'm like, absolutely nothing. It's just an abstract piece of art on my shoulder to hide the shit show underneath. Um, but it has the most meaning for me just because the first thing was, is, is the fact that it was that moment of realization that like one, sometimes it doesn't have to mean anything. It can just look nice and you can like it and that's okay. Yeah. Not, not everything has to be deep. Uh, you can just do things because it's fun to that you don't know everything and you're an idiot. Um, that was the, the reminder of that is the cover up. Uh, and three, I think it means the most because even though it's not meant to have meaning, it kind of does to me because it's just a chaotic disaster and it's kind of, but it's still beautiful. So it was just a reminder that like, it doesn't have to fit in the box of what you believe it's supposed to look like. So I'd say that has the most meaning. Do you feel like you're it's constantly... supposed to though? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of things that aren't supposed to have meaning tend to have meanings, you know? I feel like... Because I feel like human beings don't do any... Like, we don't do anything without some sort of reasoning behind it. I really believe that we have... Even if that reasoning might later on come to be false or untrue. Uh, like, your cover-up, right? The tattoo that you originally had probably did have some sort of meaning that you were later on like, wow, this is... This is because your opinion changes you, the way that you think changed. You're like, okay, let's, let's now, uh, let's do something else over this. And then that by default almost has a meaning of like, so I think that like generally that would be the way that I think. Um, but this idea of kind of like getting out of a box, do you ever feel like you're constantly trying to fight against this like proverbial box that is society or like norms? All the time, all the time. I, every, and everything, like I feel there's so many boxes, um, I feel like there's a box and I don't know if this is because, because I've always struggled with my weight um, and that I have self-confidence yeah. issues. There's this box in broadcast, which, which is just, it's, it's suffocating. And I don't think, I don't think men deal with it in terms of like, I'm a female, therefore I need to look a certain way. I need to, I'm too fat. No matter what, I'm always too fat. I don't dress right. I don't, you know, I'm not in the top, like the girls on broadcast have to be in the dress, you know, yeah. the, the slim fitting dress and the heels. I hate heels. I hate them. I hate walking in them. I can't walk in them. But for some absurd reason, I have them on every time I go on broadcast because I'm told that's what I'm supposed to do. We can't age. God forbid we get older and start wrinkling, like, because then the next young thing. And also like, we can't have more than one goal. So like, I hate the fact that in esports, that's a con that's a conscious thing of, oh, well, if so-and-so's on that gig, no, one, I'm not getting on, you know? Um, it's quite a more than one goal. They're starting to change that. But like that box for me is, is one that I, I get really stuck into sometimes um, where I do think it's super unfair that if you want to be a host or do interviews or even cast, if you're female, you have to look a certain way, uh, which is just absurd. That's more a me thing though. Maybe some will say it's a me thing that I'm conscious about that more than anything else. Um, that box in the box of like, to fit into like the gamer stereotype, there's a gamer stereotype now. There is a yeah. definite gamer stereotype that exists. You have to fit into this box where, you know, I have to be running around in leggings and sneakers with a snapback cap. And, you know, I have to be like in my cartoon shirt and like 
I'm so cool and but like kind of geeky, lol, 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 like that. So I can't, if I want to put a suit on because I want to wear a fancy jacket or a fancy dress, it's like a catch-22 that you now can't do that. Um, and then just society as a whole, you know, I think that we just, we've always got to put stuff in boxes because then it makes sense, right? I suppose that's the thing. You, you box things up so it makes sense. Yeah. But it's frustrating because I just feel like maybe sometimes it's not meant to make sense and we should just be okay with that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think I can totally agree with that. I've noticed that with dressing up because I really like to dress up, but it feels really weird, uh, especially around like gaming people to just casually one day want to wear like a blazer and a nice shirt and nice dress pants and nice shoes. And it's just because everyone else is wearing like you're too overdressed comparative to everyone else. And so it's like this is really uncomfortable feeling. And that's probably more on me than like other people. But I do agree with the gamer stereotype that there's a certain look that um, I feel like you do have to, it, it feels like you have to do it. Um, another question I wanted to ask you, and we're, I actually, we're almost done with the questions, but these were some that I had been like, oh, I really want to ask these. Um, so this next one, you, you had mentioned in a video that you weren't used to being a, um, what's the word like a, a cushy girl someone who like expresses emotions all the time um i, I really went into one of your videos for this i'm sorry uh but it's okay uh, kind of looking at that uh has that always been who you are like someone who doesn't like to express emotions and feelings and is that something that you've worked through or do you think it's fine or no so i think that i'm actually someone who i feel a lot and i am super emotional um and ridiculously over the top emotional and anyone who knows me will tell you that like i will be completely if, if you're my friend i love you and i'm completely obsessed with your life and i want everything to be perfect and if i'm sad i will cry my eyes out and if i'm like i'm way all over the place but i think that the and it comes back to the boxes is that growing up um yeah you know if you you don't do that you don't, you're a girl yeah. you don't don't be emotional because then no one will listen to you. So you have to be a hard ass and you have to be the hard ass, be the hard ass, be the hard ass. So you constantly tell yourself to be the hard ass because if you're not the hard ass, then you're too emotional and you're being ridiculous and you're silly, you know? Um, and also if you're a hard ass, men leave you alone, believe it or not. So they, they, they're a bit more like, you know, you walk in, if you're the, if you're the hardcore bitchy tomboy, they probably won't hit on you and make you feel uncomfortable. So be the hard ass. Um, so you constantly talk like, I don't think anyone told me to do that. I think it was just, it was a protective mechanism. It was like, cool. If I don't yeah. show emotion, you can't blame. Cause people do that. Like, Oh, you're a girl. You're crying. Shame. Like really. So it just was super hard. So it's become really difficult now for me to handle my emotions. So I am super emotional. Um, and I don't handle them well. Uh, so if someone upsets me, it hurts me far more than people. Stupid stuff. Like someone will say something stupid on the internet and it will kill me for, I will have a complete mental breakdown for a week and I will be devastated about it, but I won't show anyone because I'm the hard ass. You know what I mean? So I think that like, I struggle with my emotions now, which is weird because, you know, like growing up, I also think maybe growing up, but also like in high school more when I was a kid, you know, if someone bullied me or teased me, I cried and that was fine. But then in high school, you like, don't show them that they get, yeah. you know, don't show them that they're upsetting you don't react don't and so eventually you just become this like ball and i don't think it's good like i think you're just this ball of like chaos ready to explode you know yeah i and that was because that was one of the things when you mentioned that i was like oh my god that sounds so difficult to deal with all the time like i imagine that would just be like debilitating in in a lot of regards to like just everyday life kind of if you have this issue kind of um you know breaking through those so i can't 
Sorry, that really sucks. So. I'm trying to get better at it. I really am. I'm trying to not care as much because I think that sometimes I overdo it. Not care as much and also just be like a little bit more honest about the fact that, hey, you know what, that actually, that sucks. Like, I don't like it, you know, like, but that's my struggle. I'll, I'll keep doing that. I say yeah. all of this and then I'll come off here and then I'll, I'll go into a video game and someone will be mean and I'll be like, oh, bring it on, bitch. What you going to do? You know, like, <laughs> when I push up the game, I sob my heart out. So like, there's yeah. that. Well, I mean, little steps, baby steps, right? Small baby movements steps. forward, right? Baby steps forward. Well, believe it or not, I only have one more question for you. Okay. This is arguably the hardest question I will ask you the entire night. Um, just to be aware of that. Um, so that being said, if you could see anyone to be on the show, having had the experience being on this show and having had my uh, moment of being interviewed by me, who would you like to see and learn more about? Do you know who I'd love for you to chat to is, uh, um, is Frankie. Get, uh, I was Frankie to get, Ward? Frankie Ward. Is, I've already done yeah. it. Have you done, why haven't I sent me the bot? Did I miss okay. it? Now I feel uh, horrible. No, yeah, I have, Frankie, I've already done Frankie. Okay, sorry? I have not done Zoe yet. If you did sorry, I'm so bad that I missed Frankie and I'm going to go watch it after this and, and see. Frankie's like one of my favorite people. Sorry, I think would be a fascinating story as well. Yeah. I think sorry is super, super interesting. I'm going with all the ladies, yeah, but after being on That's the okay. show, I'd love to see. I think sorry has such a deeper story um than most of us realize like she's yeah sorry definitely has been through a lot so maybe maybe chatting to sorry would be pretty cool um do you know who you should definitely richard lewis are you blocked oh, richard, about richard yeah. lewis? i i would love to interview richard lewis um just because like okay so a lot of people don't like certain people in esports i richard lewis is probably one of the big ones that a lot of people just have issues with for me i don't like, i don't know him so how can i really have issues with him and i like a lot of his content i think he's a really good journalist at the very least for some of it i would love to interview richard lewis like he would be he's on the list of people who are on like my if i had a top 10 list could get them tomorrow Richard Lewis is on one of my top 10 lists. I find, yeah, I mean, I love, I think Richard's an interesting one just because, yeah, like people love to hate him, but there's a lot of work he does that's really good. And then sometimes, yeah. every so often, the facade slips and he shows that this hurts. And yeah. I think that that for me is really interesting because he, again, he plays the hard ass. Like he's like, yeah. I don't care, I'm going to say it like it is. And then every so often you see you like, nah, dude, it's there. I can see it. And yeah. I think after chatting to you and seeing how you go in, this is like, this would be something I'd be interested to hear because I think he'd maybe be a little bit more honest about the fact that I don't think that you do that level of journalism and you do that level of research and work if you're not extremely passionate. And if you're extremely passionate, there is no way that when people talk shit, it doesn't hurt. Like there's yeah. no way. If you're that passionate, you're too emotional. So, but yeah, good luck with that one because <laughs> I, I don't know if you'd agree. <laughs> yeah, We're slowly working on it. So he follows me on Twitter now. So, I mean, we have that going for me. So, I mean, oh, you just need to slide into his DMs and be like, Richard, come chat. Yeah. I feel like he'd probably be open to it. Yeah. I mean, he just supports about... good work. Like, that's the thing. He supports good work. And I think what you're doing is really cool. Like, it's different. It's not the same old, same old, you know? Um, it's like a really frank. I mean, I said things on here that, I, as I was saying, it was kind of like, huh, why, why are you doing that? But I just felt like I could. So, I, I've heard that I have that effect on people, which is, I mean, it's probably a good thing, but that's. Uh, that's why I was originally going to be a therapist. So it's because I just like talking to people. It's a lot of fun. So, 
But uh, I appreciate it. That was my last question. Uh, if you have any shout outs, you're more than welcome to it. Otherwise, I will close out the show. Uh, but I will make sure to link that VOD to you too uh, later on. But if you have any shout outs, have at it. My very small audience and then YouTube will hear about it all. I saw I saw that one of your mods yeah, dropped the, the link. So I've got that. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go watch it. Um, but yeah, from my side, just thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this. Like, thank you for being passionate. And actually, like, I think it's, it's cool that you, you want to see into esports and like understand not only esports but gaming as well like what a freaking cool idea like it really and this was tons of fun so i don't really have a shout out just thank you for having me like it's an honor awesome awesome well if you want to stay afterwards i wouldn't mind asking you a couple questions off air but for everyone out there this has been the minds of media my name is blake panashevitz and until next time i hope you guys all have a wonderful day Oh, hello there. I hope you enjoyed this video. So make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. Shout out to all my Patreons that support me. If you're looking to support me, you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash improvblake. You can also find me streaming throughout the week at twitch.tv slash improvblake.